Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to the Team Success Podcast. And today I have a very special conversation with someone who I really, really enjoy and I have learned a ton from, and it's Alec Broadfoot. So Alec, thank you so much for being on the podcast today with me. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So Alec is a client of Strategic Coach, which is awesome. And Alec, I got to see you at an EOS meeting, which was really spectacular. And you had contacted me ahead of time. And we're just so like-minded because one of the main things that your company does, and I'll have you explain you because you can do a better job, is you're all about placing the right people, especially in entrepreneurial organizations. And that is a rare talent in my experience. And you use a profile called the Achiever Profile, which I was completely fascinated by because it covers two of the three parts of the mind. And I was very thrilled to get my results results and have them interpreted. And I think what the Achiever Profile does is give some information that isn't available easily other ways. So I'm excited that we get a chance to talk about this today. But before we jump in, can you talk about you a little bit? I mean, I know that I was super inspired seeing you speak at the EOS conference. You know, if you can let people know who you're about and how you got started, that would be really helpful. Sure. I have a company called Vision Spark, and about seven and a half years ago, I started this company because I was passionate about helping entrepreneurial companies hire better, hire more successfully, hire for long term. So my background as an entrepreneur, you know, I was pretty good at making good business decisions. Uh, we had very successful companies. I wasn't great at hiring, and so I had a mentor that uh, a couple of mentors that spoke to me, planted some seeds. And I realized I really stunk at hiring and that we often as entrepreneurs, we make decisions based on gut and instinct and how we feel and we're quick starts, you know, it's uh, quick decisions and not using tools. And so once I started incorporating tools in my old, old company, our hiring success started growing. And so seven years ago, we formalized and now that's what we do. We help entrepreneurial companies find and hire the right people for long term. Excellent. I know there are tons of recruiting and hiring agencies out there, but does anyone else really focus on the entrepreneurial market? I don't know of anyone else who does. I don't know about that. We are passionate about the small to mid-sized company, companies that really value core values. They value their culture. And that's that's who we work with. I love it. I love it. This is so perfect. All right, great. So you're really passionate about the Achiever Profile, which has actually mm -hmm. been around for quite a long time. Tell me a little bit about the Achiever Profile and, and how it came about. People always really appreciate every time there's a new tool or profile or instrument out there. Okay, mm -hmm. it's like, where did it come from? Is it valid? <laughs> and it, and it, this one really is. So talk a little bit about the background of the Achiever Profile. Yeah. From what I know, it's been around for over 40 years. Industrial psychologists put it together and it's been tried and tested. It's never, ever, you know, in terms of, you know, there's discrimination type cases. There's never been one successful litigation that's been won. And I mean, that hardly ever happens very rarely. <laughs> so it's tried and true. It's the one that I started using in my old company about 15 years ago and been on the hunt for trying to find something that's better or superior in terms of answering two questions. Should we hire this person? And do we have the right people in the right seats? Mm. Our success of our company depends on it. And so this is the one that my team were willing to go to bat for. Okay, very cool. All right, well, we're going to jump in. But before we do, mm -hmm. let's just talk a smidge more about hiring because I think this is mm -hmm. a topic that for so many entrepreneurs is a pain point. 
you know, as you talked about, people make quick decisions, gut instinct, a little bit of prayer, maybe a lot. <laughs> goes into like, oh my God, I just hope this is yeah. the right person. And it's a big challenge. And we all know the cost of hiring the wrong person. And, mm-hmm. the, and the costs, I mean, there's a financial cost, and I'm sure there's some stats we can throw out about that. But mm-hmm. it's also, it's the wasted time. It's the time mm-hmm. spent training. It's actually, I think the cost of the person, if they end up signing up for a role for which they're not actually suited and trying to contort themselves into a pretzel to be somebody they're not. And then having to start over again, which is kind of demoralizing. Mm -hmm. And I know people put up with massive gaps in their company because they just have too much scar tissue built up (laughs) from hiring the wrong people. What's your take on that? Because, I mean, this is what you talk people through all the time. Yeah. And when I speak about the financial costs, people, they kind of have a, you know, they nod their head. They, you know, I say it's three times the person's salary, or 15 times the person's salary, depending on level. But when I tell them that a mishire costs an organization 278 hours of time on average, that's Brad Smart, the author of Top Grading, did a study. And he says it's 278 hours of time. And that's the one that really hits home. Money is something that we can make up, but time on the other hand, we lose it. Mm-hmm. And no one has 278 hours to waste on a bad hire. No. Now, is that the time you know that they've spent working in the business and then not working out as well as all the hiring time? Yes. Training costs. You know, Everyone else is involved when you look at time. Yes. Right. It's, a, it's the whole organization's time wasted. Yes. So having mm-hmm. a way to up your percentage success rate is just a massive savings, both time and money then. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hire right the first time and keep them long, retain them, and and you're actually going to hire less, assuming you don't grow the company. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it also gives you confidence that when you do want to grow the company, you have the tools with with which to do that well and get new folks on. Now, I'm just, and this isn't something I necessarily told you I was going to ask you, but we're both quick starts on the Colby. So I think, <laughs> I think you'll be able to deal with this. So when you were looking at first working with a client, I mean, I'm sure there's a certain mindset that you need to be working with for people to actually really appreciate the service and the depth that you offer. So what have you determined? I would assume that the transactional person probably isn't a great client for you. And the long term person is but those are my words. How would you talk about that? Yeah, yeah I would say, you know, I talked earlier about that culture and values need to be important, but their mindset is one of which they're looking for experts. So if they're going to hire an expert for as a CPA, that mm-hmm. they're going to outsource their tax and accounting work, they're going to hire an expert for you know an attorney, whether it's you know a specific area contract law or employment law, and they're looking for a hiring expert. You know their hands are in the air, and they're like, hey, you know we just are not good at hiring, and we need help. And we're looking for an expert. We're tired of playing a guessing game and we value our time. We're, our unique ability is doing X for our customers. And we want you to help us be the who that finds the how <laughs> or who, whatever, you know, whatever the, the doctors. Yeah, that's yeah. No, I'm laughing because you got it totally right. I'm like, yes, you're in the program. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, so that's a great point. So rather than trying to figure it all out themselves or reinvent the wheel, it's someone who wants to be freed up to do what they're unique at so that they hire you who's got a passion and time and talent to do this. That's the right fit person. Thank you for answering that because I think there is a right mindset around hiring. And unless you want to become an expert as you've become, it makes sense to invest in that. And one of the things that I've 
I've said this for a long time, but I keep getting the evidence building up. You know, if I'm going to hire an expert, I might pay more on an hourly rate, quote unquote, but they get it done so much faster. Right, right. (laughs) They've already made all the mistakes. They know what not to do, which I don't. And so I might think it's cheaper. And this is true for many, many different things. But the truth is, it's so much more expensive. I'm not cheap Mm -hmm. because I'm going to make every mistake in the book. And that just doesn't happen. So I think the whole hiring expert mentality makes so much sense and fits in beautifully with our who, not how (laughs) process. So love that you mentioned that too. Perfect. All right. So let's jump into the Achiever Profile because I find some of the nuances of this pretty amazing. I referenced earlier in the conversation about the three parts of the mind. And you and I had a lengthy, (laughs) several lengthy conversations about this. Everyone knows I'm a huge fan of Colby as are you. The achievement profile measures is different than what Colby measures. And the two together kind of handle it all as far as I can tell, (laughs) which is kind of spectacular. Because what you look at are the mental aptitude and then the personality dimensions. And then what Colby measures is how people strive. So, you know, in terms of getting the full picture on someone, achiever profile handles two of the complex things that you normally have to go Mm -hmm. to several different indexes to do. And the way that you measure them, to my mind, is quite unique. And so I can't wait to do a dive in. By the way, Uh there, as you're listening to this, there are a lot of different dimensions. Mm -hmm. We're not going to go through them all in depth because that would take more than our time today. Mm -hmm. But my point here is to draw out some of the key ones and illustrate how it works. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's really special also about the Achiever Profile is it gives you a range for what you're looking for, which is, I think, a key part of hiring. And this is where some of the wisdom and expertise comes in. A salesperson, they need to be strong in these areas. Mm -hmm. You know, an executive assistant, this, a customer service person, that. One of the things that I loved after looking at mine, because I'm extreme in most (laughs) profiles, including the Achiever profile, is that, you know, Cara told me, um, you need to work entrepreneurially. (laughs) You would not fit well into a large bureaucracy in terms of a lot of my, how I show up in terms of personality. I'm like, check, correct. You know, so it certainly validated my own experience. So those are some of the things I want to talk about, which I think are super important. But that's me talking about your area of expertise. So how do you set up or introduce the Achiever Profile to get people a little bit more familiar with it? Yeah, well, for folks that are strategic coach, I love the illustration that when I was in the session about the unique ability, we talk about the Achiever and and there is that graph, the pie chart, which really shows the three parts, the the cognitive, the personality, and cognitive, the Mm -hmm. instinctive. So I think that's a great, a great image, especially for coach saying, hey, we're going to we're going to measure these other two. The mental aptitudes are super important. Oftentimes, I see this all the time. Entrepreneurs will hire for someone that has great core values. They may have a good Colby score, but where they fall short is the mental aptitudes. I can give uh, an example or two here if that would be helpful. So one example is we had a, a client who sent us three candidates for a controller position, someone who oversees the accounting function in this mid-sized company three candidates and all three candidates did incredibly poor in a dimension called numerical perception. And this measures their attention to detail and ability to work with numbers. And so we told the client not to hire any of these three candidates because these individuals are, they're responsible for your entire financial function in your organization. And because they fell in love with one candidate already, they assumed we were wrong or the assessment was wrong, which, you know, we hear that all the time. 
And then six months later, they call us back and they said, Alec, we should have listened to you. This was an absolute nightmare. We estimated that this person cost our company a half million dollars. Ouch. Plus another six months of time and opportunity cost. So that's just one example of where you really want to look for the mental aptitudes. Mm -hmm. Another example the achiever has is something called mental acuity. And individuals who score high in mental acuity are really good at problem solving, critical thinking, reasoning. We had a client on the East Coast and he said, Alec, in my leadership team, when we have a problem we want to solve, they all just look at me for ideas. None of them can come up with new ideas. So we assessed a couple of the leadership team members and they all had low mental acuity. And so they're, you know, he wasn't going to get new ideas presented or problem solved by the leadership team. All right. So one of the distinctions, and I remember asking you this several times, Mm -hmm. it's mental acuity. And this is one of the dimensions of mental aptitude. It's not the only one, everyone, as you're listening, but it's not exactly the same as IQ, which I find kind of fascinating because IQ profiles are out there and there's some good ones. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. this is actually a different dimension. So can you articulate that? Because I found that a mind bending and too fascinating, you know, as I was thinking about like, how do I understand this? So the way we describe it is someone's learning speed. So if you take a gallon of water and you put that gallon in a bucket, you can pour the water out of that bucket much quicker than if it was, let's say, a gallon of water in a bottle, right? There's a smaller opening. And so that's, it's just someone's learning speed mm-hmm. in, in terms of how they can learn conceptually, where someone with a low to mid mental acuity would is learning by doing. They're more hands-on. Mm-hmm. They have to touch it. So, And then someone who's got a lower mental acuity, it's not necessarily a bad thing. If they're doing a repetitive job, the same thing every day, you probably don't want someone with a very high mental acuity because they would get bored very quickly. Right. Okay. So yeah, the mm-hmm. boredom factor is key. And <laughs> just to talk a little bit more about this, I was actually slow to the party my mental acuity score is okay, everybody, just so you know. Uh, it's <laughs> a good you. score. Yeah. <laughs> Alec has mine in front of him, I think. I was actually slow to really appreciate. I kind of thought naively, very naively, that everyone was kind of the same. So at Colby, you know, in our hiring process, we hire for Colby first. So does someone have the right striving instincts? We also do personality. So, you know, DISC and StrengthsFinder are two things for that. Although we use StrengthsFinder after someone's hired because that's when it's legal to do that. And we weren't using any kind of, you know, we didn't know about Achiever back then. But but what's interesting is we had someone in a role working very closely with Babs and Dan, who are both incredibly sharp (laughs) individuals. And the person wasn't successful in the role. And then finally... I'm like, oh my gosh, they have the right Colby for the role. They have the right personality for role. At that point, if it's not working out, there's only one thing left. (laughs) I was like, oh, duh, moment. So I was slow to really appreciate that mental aptitude, speed, mental horsepower is another term which I enjoy, just someone's capacity. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you actually break it down into six different dimensions is pretty fascinating. So can we just go through the six so that people know? We're not going to go into detail with all of them, but so people know what is important. And then also you give, I think, ranges for what you need in a particular role, which is, again, a whole other dimension, which is hard to get at. So what are the different six? Yeah. So the six dimensions in the mental aptitudes are mental acuity, business terms, memory recall, vocabulary, 
numerical perception and mechanical interest. Mm-hmm. You know, and we can talk about ourselves here. <laughs> so my mental acuity was good. It's a scale of one to nine. I was tops on memory recall, which just about, you could have knocked me over with a feather on that one. And vocabulary, <laughs> that one didn't surprise me. My mom taught me to read when I was three, so I hope it built up over time. And then I'm much more your big picture person and imprecise with numerical perception, so my score is a three. Don't put me in charge of accounting. <laughs> and even though I'm, you know, in terms of the Colby striving instincts, I'm a five and implementer. My mechanical interest, mm-hmm. I'm a two, so I'm indifferent. And fortunately, that's what's required. I don't require that for my role. Right, you know, right. demonstrating with a baton is about as far as I go. So it's interesting, like, even, you know, consider myself successful, intelligent individual, my scores were all over the map on the different dimensions. And it doesn't really matter if you get it's a range. So slow to learn, fast to learn, uninformed, knowledgeable, unaware, aware. It's on a continuum. So a low score isn't necessarily bad. It's more does it fit for the role. So I found that fascinating just to see the widespread and the different areas for mental aptitudes in my profile. Now, Alec, any insights from looking at your own? Was it true when you did your first profile for yourself? Yeah. One thing, I actually took the Achiever a couple times. And the first time I took it, I was under a tremendous amount of stress and I was in a really bad situation and it impacted my scores. And then a few years later, when that situation changed, my scores actually improved, which doesn't happen for everybody, but that's how much stress impacts and impacted my mental acuity score by three points. So that was super insightful. You know, you, you tend to be in yeah. that fight or flight mode when you're stressed. And so that was something that I learned. So yeah. And I think that's true. I mean, the mental acuity you have available to you under stress is different than what you have mm-hmm. when you're relaxed and at peace and calm. So that mm-hmm. makes I appreciate that. That's awesome. So anything else about mental aptitudes before we jump into personality dimensions? Because I, again, find all of it really interesting. Yeah, You mentioned a few minutes ago about capacity. And I think strategic coach, entrepreneurs, and companies running on EOS. Gina Wickman talks about hiring for core values and hiring for get it, want it capacity. And what I've seen is companies can actually really improve in their hiring success by hiring for that capacity dimension. That's what makes or breaks someone long-term. So just wanted to share that. And I could not agree more because I work with so many entrepreneurs who are incredibly, I haven't measured their mental acuity score yet, but it's obviously off the charts. They're so fast to learn and so fast to integrate new information and they get more than frustrated, that's the nice word for it, with people who can't keep pace. Mm-hmm. So I talk a lot about that, and now there's actually a tool, an instrument, which is very helpful. And I think really appreciating how you, as an individual, you know, what your mental acuity is, and then making sure that at least the close team around you with whom you need to get stuff right. done, right. again, yeah, the polite term for it, yeah. If you're an entrepreneur and your assistant has a much different mental acuity than you do, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, I find it quite entertaining that Nicole's is one higher than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I know she she's looking way farther out ahead of me. Than I am. So that's actually even surrounding yourself with people who are even quicker than you is actually a way to support your own. So Absolutely. I think that's yeah. kind of the goal. Part of what I really appreciate about this, Alec, is that it gives measurement, it gives language to something that people feel and experience, but have got, and mostly in a form of frustration, but actually gives them a tool to measure it and therefore to make some objective changes. So I think that's 
brilliant. <laughs> I really love that part of it. And this is, that's one of my very favorite parts of the profile. All right. So let's jump into personality. And there's a kajillion personality inventories out there. But I like this one because this one, certainly you want to score higher on most of the mental aptitudes. But the personality dimensions are, in fact, a continuum to be accurate about that. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong as I'm talking about this. That's very true. And again, the ranges are quite entertaining. So you can really see where you fit or where someone else fits in a particular role. So introduce us to the personality dimensions that the Achiever profile covers because there's, again, lots of things out there. And so how would people distinguish this rather than something else? Yeah, so it's nice, like you said, what's about it is that it's a continuum. And so it's not one of 16 personalities or one of four personalities. It's a dimension of, it's a spectrum, I should say. So, you know, energy is the first one on there. And it's not like you're someone that has energy or don't. It's on a one to nine spectrum. Yeah, and the range in the continuum is restless to calm. Mm-hmm. I am on the extreme restless side. <laughs> I'm a one. <laughs> so low score is not bad in this one. It just shows you what arm you're at. But I have like all these ones here. It's pretty funny. So calm is the opposite to how right. <laughs> to how right. I am, which is fun. So let's go through what they are just so that people can get a real sense of it. So energy sure. is number one. Do you want to yeah, keep going? And flexibility, organization, communication, which is someone's communication style, not their ability, emotional development assertiveness, competitiveness, mental toughness, questioning and probing, and motivation. Mm-hmm. So I want to give the words, descriptor words for each one of those, because I find them very helpful to understand, if that's cool with you. Sure. So energy is restless to calm, as I mentioned. Flexibility mm-hmm. is flexible to rigid. So again, if you want someone to really uphold the rules... Someone who's mm-hmm. farther to the right on this spectrum would be what you're looking for. Yes. Process orientation. Process. Yeah. I, that, I'm mm-hmm. a one. So that tells you where I'm at. Organization disorganized to planful, which I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, again, a one. Communication reserved to interactive. So that's really an important one. And we'll get into how they impact certain roles in just a minute. Emotional development, impatient to tolerant. Again, everyone I've just said, I'm on the left-hand side. I'm on the one <laughs> score, all of those. So I'm restless, flexible, disorganized, reserved, and impatient, which is all true. Assertiveness, cooperative to authoritative. Competitiveness is team player to individualist. Mental toughness, sensitive. I'm sensitive. To tough. Questioning, probing, trusting to skeptical. Motivation, security to recognition. So again, what someone wants, which by the way, when you know how to reward someone based on this, mm-hmm. really important. Absolutely. So I find, again, this spectrum, this continuum, very, very interesting. But let's talk about how it plays into certain roles. Sure. Because I think that's where the relevance is really going to hit mm-hmm. for a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm going to pepper you with a million questions, Alec. So if you're looking for someone, if entrepreneur senior team leader looking to hire someone and they want to hire someone in a sales role. What are the key dimensions that are super important that the achiever profile that you know makes for a successful salesperson, even though like they may show up wonderfully, they may sell beautifully in the interview, you yeah. know, they're smart, they've got a fifteen years of history. Mm-hmm. But if certain things don't show up in the achiever profile, you'd recommend not to hire them. So what do you look for for sales? Yeah. So Let's assume they're outside sales, not inside sales, but let's assume they're an outside sales individual. So we would want their energy score. You know, you'd want them to be a little bit more on the restless side because if they are 
too calm, they're going to stay behind their desk and not visit customers. So that's an important component. You do want them to have a middle-of-the-road flexibility score, which would be their orientation towards process, somewhat a middle-to-low organization score, which would allow them to kind of think on their feet. If they're too planful and someone poses a question to them and it didn't fit their plan, they, they may have trouble. And then we'll jump down to competitiveness. So you would want them to be on that competitive side. It's a one to nine scale, and so you'd want them to be a seven, eight, or nine. They're more I-driven than team-driven. Mm-hmm. And that's why, Shannon, you know, you're all about the team and, and your passion's team success. And uh, so we would want salespeople to be high there. Not that. And then the last one would be motivation. So you would want to see a very high motivation score, a seven, eight, or nine, that they respond to incentives, rewards, and recognition. Got it. Now, what about also mental toughness and competitiveness? Are those other two scores that are important for sales? Yeah. So mental toughness, we kind of say that someone's thickness of their skin. Mm -hmm. And so someone who's a one or two in sensitivity would not do well in the smile and dial, cold calling type sale. They would get very discouraged from, you know, 99% of the people that turn them down. So you'd want someone who has really thick skin. They don't really care. They, you know, they're happy with one sale out of 99, where individuals who are more sensitive in nature and sales can be very successful when it's like solutions-based selling. It's very, you know, the the one customer uh, means a lot to the organization. So the salesperson will really understand and empathize what the needs of the customer are. And then they'll go to bad to make sure their company delivers. Uh Or if they're trying to come up with a solution, they'll understand that solution better. So that's where someone with a lower sensitivity can succeed in sales. Part of why I love this conversation is I started off at Strategic Coach in 1991 in sales. I'd done retail sales earlier in my career, so I had done sales, and I was not your typical salesperson. But it also explains why I was, in our terminology, excellent, but not unique. Mm. And after doing it for three years and a bit, Mm. I was like, okay, my brain's going to (laughs) rust. But if you look at my scores now, it explains why I was not a long-term player in that. I mean, I can make a decent living. I'm intelligent. Mm -hmm. And I I would have a very consultative sales process, as you can probably (laughs) gather, just looking at my profile. And it's probably become more extreme. But it's interesting because I'm a one insensitive. Mm -hmm. I'm at that end of it. You know, I'm not particular. So mental toughness, mm, not so much. Much more of a team player. And, you know, I yes, I'm restless. That's about the only score that actually fits. And that was what was really interesting when Cara was talking to me. She said, yeah, this, it's not that you can't do it, but long term. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, that would completely correlate with my experience. (laughs) So I thought that was really interesting. If I look at some of our really successful salespeople at Strategic Coach, they have those characteristics that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. They're much more on the individual side. They've got very thick skin, much more so than I do. You know, Mm -hmm. and they're they're not always team players, which is interesting to manage (laughs) sometimes, but they're very clear and direct and they're competitive. They want to win. You know, they're highly motivated by games. I'm not. So it's interesting. It just came through Mm -hmm. so true. Mm-hmm. which I think is cool. So let's talk about another, what's the, one of the most common positions that you help hire? I'm sure there's lots, but. So maybe, I think maybe one to talk about would be an executive assistant. Yes. Yeah. So what's nice about the Achiever, there are benchmarks or success patterns. And so for us entrepreneurs who are moving very fast, it would, these benchmarks on the worksheet, you could quickly see if someone's going to succeed 
long-term. And it's very, very simple to understand compared to other assessments. So that's another reason why we like it. So mm-hmm. with an executive assistant, of course, you want them to have good mental aptitudes. Um, you probably want them to have a, a good attention to detail in terms of, if they, especially if they're handling your books or you know working with the bookkeeper, good attention detail. But going down to personality dimensions, I'll look at flexibility. That's their process orientation. So you know, entrepreneurs sometimes are not the best with process. And so you'd want an ex- executive assistant to help you hold you accountable or remind you of a process or to help improve a process. Organization, that would be huge, right? So you wouldn't want an executive assistant who's more on the disorganized side. And we see that all the time. Sure you do. Yes, we see that all the time. Even though the resume says they've been a good executive assistant, you see career progression. So you want someone who's more planful. They respond to a good plan. They like to stick to the plan. They're long-term oriented. Mm. And so for myself, you know, saying, hey, I got to get Joe on the calendar next week. And your executive assistant would already know that. He or she would say, hey, well, next week you have a really full week. Did you remember this? Three weeks is probably pretty good. So they're more long-term oriented. And and they kind of go to bat for you in terms of your workload. Mm -hmm. So they're more long-term oriented. That'll help you uh, succeed long term. And then a couple other dimensions. You'd want them to be low in assertiveness. You want to be more cooperative, low in competitiveness, which means you want them to be more of a team player. And then probably a little bit more on the sensitive side where they're empathetic, responsive to what you're looking for. So those would be the the ones I would look for Mm -hmm. for an executive assistant. So I find that also interesting. And this is where your consultation is really helpful, you almost direct based on the role, which ones to, I mean, each one has that, I like that success pattern that you talk about, Mm -hmm. but you can say these are the particular characteristics that are almost weighted more strongly for that particular Mm -hmm. role. So this, you know, of these ones, these are the critical ones to make sure you hit in the range. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be a little bit more negotiable in some of the other ones because these are standardized ranges. That's hugely valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And when someone tries to go against it, you probably, (laughs) you've got stories to tell about bad idea. (laughs) That doesn't work. Yeah, there's a couple. Like, you don't even want to try to hire with that one out of the benchmarks. Yeah. And again, this is why I think, I mean, everyone, we talk with a resume and there's a love-hate relationship with resumes and are they true or not. But even if they're true, I think the whole point here, at least one of the key points for me, is that people can have tons of years of experience. And this is where we have such an emphasis in our world, in our business world, North America, especially about the cognitive. It's all about, okay, experience that you've had, IQ, mental acuity, what have you. But without actually looking at, is your personality suited? Are your values in alignment? Is this something for which you have the mental energy? And people override it all the time. And so unless you have a way to get underneath what their 10 or 5 or 15 years of training has been because people can train themselves, you know, and have tons of experience doesn't mean they're actually well suited for the role. Mm-hmm. So if Absolutely. we rely on that one little tidbit mm-hmm. of experience, we could be toast, especially Absolutely. in an entrepreneurial company where things are changing often. Yeah. Because we like it that way. We call that the hiring danger zone at Vision mm-hmm. Spark. And so, you know, tell me about that. Yeah. So what happens is, you know, a leader in a company, they're open to hiring beyond resume. A resume, their background should be one percentage, I should say a small percentage of their long-term success. And so, and then when they go to decide on two to three candidates, all they're looking at is the resume and background. Mm. 
Mm. They're not looking at the cognitive, the behavioral, cognitive, learned behavior, and they tend to focus on the resume. And when that happens, you tend to make a bad hiring decision. That's what we're trying to save people. <laughs> let's yeah. make some good hiring decisions because it is a minefield. There's no question. Now let's do a third, and I don't know, you choose. Which, what's another role that people, I don't know if it's a team leader role or what's another common role that people, we, we've talked about sales, we've talked about being an executive assistant. What's another type of role that you see that people need to, be great if they could have a little bit more insight into what makes a success in that particular position. Yeah, so maybe we can talk about a manager, yes. a leader. Someone who's responsible for developing of other people. Mm-hmm. And when our company is often hired to do an integrator type role or a COO type role, we'll often see individuals, we were talking about the resume a little bit ago, we'll often see people who have a career progression of being a manager. And then when they interview with Vision Spark and through our interviewing techniques, or when they take the achiever, only about 20% have the ingredients to be a successful manager. And so the two that we see, the two dimensions that we see would be flexibility and organization. So someone who's going to be succeed as a manager long-term, you would want them to have some sort of process orientation, which oftentimes they don't score there. And then organization, you want them to have a long-term, you're laughing, Shannon. Tell <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm looking at mine going, I have neither of those. <laughs> it <just laughs> explains why I managed and not the other way around. So that's why I'm laughing as, yeah. as you're talking. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah, you'd want to see those organization skills. And then on the other side, oftentimes we see individuals who, you know, they're really thick-skinned, they really take charge, you know, my way or the highway. And they would not succeed in terms of coaching and developing, you know, we call that the dead body effect where they would walk in and they would hurt people, not even know about it. It's my way, the highway and they leave and they're not sensitive to know that they impacted the organization. So with the achiever, you really want to see a lot of the middle dimensions for the personality dimensions. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so fun. Now I want to know everybody's. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about entrepreneurs for a moment, visionaries. I mean, one of the things, if I'm going to hire someone, I kind of want to contrast Mm -hmm. them to me a little bit and see where we're similar or different, which is what I, when we were working, that's what we wanted Mm to do. And that's what Cara told me. So whether or not she was flattering me or not, (laughs) but what do you tend to see when you actually have the owners, founders, visionaries do? Mm -hmm. What patterns emerge? Yeah, we usually see... Oftentimes, visionaries and entrepreneurs, they score high in mental acuity, so they learn pretty quickly. So they have good mental aptitudes. Those are some of the patterns we see. From a personality standpoint, we'll often see entrepreneurs, they have a lower energy score, which means someone who's a little bit more restless. So they wouldn't, you know, if if I said to an entrepreneur, hey, you're going to be an accountant for accounting season, you're going to be behind your desk 15 hours a day, three months straight, they would go crazy because their energy score is, you know, they got that that internal engine that's going. We also see them being maybe a little bit less organized. You know, they tend to, you know, the delegation tools that strategic coach talks about, sometimes they just kind of say, Hey, take care of this and move on. And don't really, don't really communicate that. And that's a lot to do with their energy. And that's the drive by delegation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> drive by delegation. Right. Right. We often see entrepreneurs, they're a little bit more on the sensitive side And that's really good because they see the needs in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. They're there to be a hero, to to create value 
for their customers. And if they weren't sensitive, they probably wouldn't see areas where to create value. And then the last thing we see is motivation. So they are off the charts in motivation. And oftentimes, you know, we'll see a score of a nine, which is the highest in motivation, that that will overcome a lot of uh, personality dimensions that are not necessarily good ones to have for a leader. But that motivation is just, you know, that high mental aptitudes and a good motivation score overcomes any of the ones that aren't that strong. That's fascinating. And I'm sure it can be if you were you know, doing a corporate, much more bureaucratic type person, it would probably be the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. Which is why it's right. like oil and water. So <laughs> I love that. So this is so interesting. Now, the last part of the pro, and I'm looking at the overview page, which I find very helpful, which is page mm-hmm. six, if anyone has one. What I also really appreciate is there is a, a measure for every person who answers it in terms of distortion and equivocation, if I'm saying mm-hmm. that correctly. So you almost do a check and balance to make sure that the results are accurate every time. Can you talk about that? Because I think that's a very reassuring part to have in any index. Yeah. Just from a high level standpoint, there are questions in the assessment built in to measure someone's mindset when they're taking the assessment. And are they trying to game the system? Mm. And so, you know, salespeople will often what we call distort, which means they are trying to be someone who they're not. And so there's some questions built in there. And so we'll know if the scores are indeed valid based on their distortion score. Uh-huh. That's very cool. You have to choose. It makes you choose, mm-hmm. which is yes. challenging sometimes. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. So, you know, looking at the mental aptitudes, looking at the personality dimensions, and again, those success patterns that are identified. And every company, I'm sure, has a slight tolerance level that might be a smidge different. But it really, it gives you that amazing game plan to really be able to assess, you know, how other people have been successful in this role and they've had these particular scores on the Achiever profile. So it gives you a lot of information in a short period of time. And as you said, it's very easy to understand, even though there's multiple dimensions. Mm-hmm. I mean, the interpretations for each role, I think your insight in that is something I, I don't know mm-hmm. how to duplicate when I don't want to, but you can get a quick read really, you know, Mm-hmm. pretty easily, which is unusual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There doesn't require, well, I know some profiles shall remain unnamed. In order to actually be given interpretation, you have to have a master's in psychology, which I appreciate that this <laughs> yeah. is a lot more user-friendly. It's for pretty that. simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, and what's also nice about the Achiever assessment here at VisionSpark is that there are interview questions. So when someone scores outside of the bracket success pattern, the report gives you interview questions. And so it'll allow you to probe further when someone's out there. So that's something that's really cool. And our clients say they feel like they're hiring experts because they have these interview questions they didn't normally have. I wasn't even I'm focusing on that part of the profile. You're totally <laughs> right. I'm like, oh, yes, they're all here. Yeah, yeah I was too yeah. busy trying to understand myself and <laughs> the other people I know that did it. So that's perfect. So yes, yeah, so it really does give you that kind of leg up. And again, I love that those two dimensions are integrated in the profile. So, you know, this is your one of your main methodologies or ways of doing things. But you also, I mean, you coach people through the whole hiring process and then you provide, you are the hiring expert for folks. What do you see, you know, when people really up their game in terms of hiring, what do you see as possible when people make good use of instruments like this and, you know, take advantage of expertise? Just talk about some of your clients and the difference it's made having this confidence and ability to hire better people. 
it's wonderful. The ripple effects of one key hire, how they can make an organization. So, you know, we have a client in the Carolinas who, because they now have someone who can help run their business, it's a husband and wife team. They're now traveling multiple times in the year. You know, we have other companies, you know, the clients now, instead of them working 100 hours a week, you know, they can relax and they're working a 35 to 40 hour a week schedule. You see a morale improve, productivity improve, customer satisfaction improve, all from having a superstar team. Mm. Now, one of the big common complaints I hear is that there's no good people out there. And we do have a really tight, tight <laughs> yeah. hiring market yeah. at the moment. Right. How do you find people you even go through this process with? Yeah. We have our intellectual property, but I will just say, number one, advertise your core values and your culture that people, people really want to work for a company that has a great culture. So that's super important. The second thing is, you know, I'll use this example, but companies will spend a good amount of their overall budget on sales and marketing. It could be 50% Mm -hmm. of their budget, 20%, a good amount on selling their product or services. But when it comes to attracting the right people, it may be under 1%. Mm. It may be a small ad they, they place. And so if strategic coach entrepreneurs would spend some of their budget in promoting their company and their culture, not only will they get some great hires, but their customers will be attracted. They'll want to work with a business that focuses so much on their employee health and culture. And so it's actually it works better. There are some organizations that they don't even have a website that offers their service offerings. It's all about attracting employees and what the, the culture is and what they're celebrating. And it's nothing to do with what the company does, but they have no trouble with revenue because they have their customers are saying, we want to work with a company like this. If they are this good with, to their employees, this is the type of organization we want to work with. Oh, that is such a brilliant piece of advice, Alec. Thank you. I actually think you can get an unfair advantage mm-hmm. by doing exactly as you said, because people are hungry mm-hmm. to work for, you know, you read all the millennial studies and like they want to work for a company that is having a positive impact, that is making a difference mm-hmm. in the world, that is Absolutely. making contribution. They want to work for a purpose-driven company, which is what your core values does. Mm -hmm. which is something we're super strong on, as is EOS. You know, one of my favorite business examples from a decade ago is Zappos and Tony Shea. And that's a perfect example Mm -hmm. of what you're talking about. They advertise their core values all over the place. And -hmm. people love doing business with a company like that. So I actually think people will come out of the woodwork to find you. Mm -hmm. And the point about, you know, we're marketing ourselves. We're trying to sell somebody something. But if we were simply to market our core values and who we are and attracting We'll attract the people that we need to have in the company and we'll attract people that want to do business with our company. And it's really that just being really clear on who we are. Now, you also, it has to be true. You know, you have to have a great culture. You have to be hiring great people. (laughs) You can't lie about this stuff. It has to be valid. I have employees and they interview throughout the day. They're spending time interviewing and every day they'll hear from a candidate. I was not even looking, but I read your description and I want to work for this company or They'll say, I wasn't even looking, and my friend or my spouse told me about this. They said, this is you. You have to work there. And in terms of a long-term success, wouldn't you want candidates who are interested in working for you as opposed to a candidate that is being recruited and they have other options, right? Why not have candidates who want to work for your organization? Mm, Brilliant. One of the things I just really appreciate about you, Alec, is you have this area of expertise for entrepreneurial organizations. All of my team success information 
is all about entrepreneurial teams. I'm corporate teams are great, but I'm it's not my audience. It's not anything I really know anything about. And the fact that you're getting people into companies and helping them grow and be successful and be self-managing. All the examples you gave are companies that are much more self-managing now than they used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all a function of getting the right people on board. And again, not just for the short term, not just for three months, because after that, the cracks show and they don't succeed. Yeah. And for the long term, that's the platform of your business. That's the foundation from which you can grow. Great. So I love how aligned we are and having great <laughs> entrepreneurial team success. Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. So anything else that entrepreneurs need to know? I feel like you've given us a ton of gems. One is just really a deep understanding, well, surface level deep understanding of the Achiever Mm -hmm. Profile and what it can do. But also the whole point about, you know, what percentage of your budget are you putting towards Mm -hmm. putting it out there and advertise your core values? What a phenomenal strategy that is. And then also the stats around hiring and the number of hours it takes, you know, if you have the wrong one. I think those are all things that are like little pops in my brain for <laughs> can really make a difference and how to think about it. I love one of Dan's expressions, one of my favorites is the problem is never the problem. The problem is not knowing how to think about the problem. And talking mm-hmm. to you, I feel like I have a much clearer way for how to think about hiring and how to think about putting the right people in the right seats on the bus. So I love that. And um, anything else to add? And how can people, if people are intrigued by what you do and how to do the mm-hmm. profile, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah. So, you know, I'm part of Strategic Coach. Our company's Vision Spark. They can look us up online, vision spark. My email is alec at vision spark. There's a hyphen between vision and spark.com. So, alec at vision spark.com. And yeah, I'd love to have a conversation with any entrepreneur who's passionate about having superstars on their team. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Any last words of wisdom to things to do or not do in your hiring process? Sure. I would say before you start to take time to really define the role, that's Mm. super important. You don't want to just hire randomly because you need someone. Take time to define what are the behaviors and traits? What does success look like? That's important. And then to have a process for hiring. So, you know, people say it's hiring an art or science. We say it's a business discipline. Hiring is a business discipline. So that is super important for them to be successful in hiring. I love that. One of the ways that I've coached people that I think I would love to get your feedback on it. One of the simple ways to do it, if you want to at least kind of get thoughts out of your mind, is to do an impact filter. So if someone in coach is familiar with it, or if you're not in coach yet, our Extraordinary Impact Filter book actually outlines what this process is, but it really helps you figure out the purpose, importance, and ideal outcome. In this case, you do it of the role. Your Mm -hmm. best case scenario if it works really, really well, or if you've had a superstar in the role, they've given you actually a success story. Your worst case scenario, if someone's a disaster in the role, like if you're hiring for customer service and they manage to tick off all the clients, never get back to them, actually (laughs) make them mad and people withdraw all their business, that would be the worst case scenario. And your success criteria are those things to ensure the best result and prevent the worst. So they have to be this, 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 and this. I mean, Obviously, if they're going to post a role, they're going to need a little bit more detail. But is that a good – if someone sent you that and said, hey, I'm looking for someone like this, would that be enough information, would give you a platform to start from? Yeah, the impact filter is an incredible tool, and that would be a great way to start in defining the position. Most likely, they'll put some of the key success metrics of what the person needs to do to be successful and how they're holding accountable. I think that would be really good. And I would probably get that impact filter and say, hey – now let's focus on the values, traits, and behaviors. Nice. Right? So what yeah. kind of communicator do they want them to be? What kind of leader 
you know, what are the core values that is in your company that you would want them to have? So that would be something, you know, Jim Collins, first start with the who, then the what. And so, you know, you want to hire for the who. So that would be something you would want to include in the impact filter. Perfect. Thank you. That's awesome. Love that. And then the fact that hiring is not an art or a science, but a business discipline. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's a, there's a process to this, everybody. Yeah, which is, absolutely. Which is why you probably want to get some of your process people on it. You know, we actually have two full-time recruiting people. That's what they do, which is amazing. And, you know, oh, I just love talking to people, interviewing them on the phone. I'm like, Good for you because I no thank you. That would be the last thing on my list. Yeah. So people, you know, you're talented at it. You know, we have processes for ourselves, but it is a discipline. Mm-hmm. And I certainly know that hiring the right people makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. And if someone's built up scar tissue, if you've, you know, as mm. I talk about kissed a few too many frogs <laughs> without any <laughs> prince or princesses at the end. You know, I think really hiring a hiring expert would be step one. Using instruments in profile, especially mm. like the achiever and I you know, we're both fans of yeah. Kobe. You can shortcut so many mistakes and right. hiring the wrong people, which is a massive problem. Mm-hmm. I think just by taking advantage of some of the incredible resources that are out there. So Alec, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and I love that you love to do something I don't. <laughs> I always love when I find who's when I find who's who love to do the stuff I don't. And thank you for making your expertise available. And how to think about this to me is really fascinating. And I really just appreciate the the depth you've gone into with the Achiever profile because it again does something that some other profiles I've seen don't do. So I really appreciate me even learning more and just sharing this with people who I know will go, Oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for or this is how I need to think about something. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure lots of insights will come from people as a result of this. So thank you so much for sharing your time and expertise. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope you've gotten a lot out of this conversation with Alec about Vision Spark and about hiring and about the Achiever profile. If you have any questions or comments, please let me know at questions at strategiccoach.com. And as always, here's to your team success. The Team Success video series is a brand new online learning platform to give your team the tools to thrive in an entrepreneurial business. Whether you have five team members or 500, Shannon Waller provides expert strategies for confidence, harmony, and success. You're just one click away at teamsuccessvideoseries.com.